Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Casual Hour. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Ooh, me. You. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and this is uh, one of our special deep dive episodes. You know, ostensibly, this podcast is about video games, but today it's all about hot sauce. Am I right, Johnny? That's right. Only the hottest Damn sauces. Right. I love hot sauce. Absolutely. Ricky's hot sauce, to be specific. Hot sauce um, and, and world record controversies. There you go. Uh, also with me is Bobby Pease. Hi, Bobby. Hello, Chase. Good to have you both with me. Uh, this is one of our deep dive episodes, so that's why I'm here hosting something I'm not. Uh, You're I a great mean, host. I, I mean, I do it. I do it a lot on my own podcast, Gamers on the Go, but I don't do it much here. So this is your feel, vacation. This is a special. Treat. It feels weird. It feels yes. As, as it's like treat. when some. It's like whenever you let somebody drive your car when you're in the passenger seat of your car. I never let people drive my car. Well, then you know how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is weird for everyone involved. But um, but because this is a deep dive, uh, you guys know that traditionally my deep dives have been about obscure Nintendo hardware. Uh, yeah. well, obscure hardware in general. It just happens that I have a lot of obscure Nintendo hardware, so that's, that's kind of what happens. Um, I don't have that today, unfortunately. Uh, well, we're not know, together. It, Again. We're not together. I can't let you guys fiddle with these weird things. I want to um, fiddle with your weird things. Oh god! All right. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you touch my "Hey You Pikachu" microphone and just to have a have a good time with it. So, Heavy breathing. So does it? <laughs> n- never mind. <laughs> good. Good. That's that's probably good. for the best. Um, it doesn't work right. If, does you, it? <laughs> if you haven't, mm, no, nah, no, it doesn't. Um, if you haven't figured it out already by by the hints that we've given we're going to be talking about billy mitchell steve weeby donkey kong and and yeah. more all-encompassing we're talking about the king of kong a fistful of quarters the 2007 documentary film um don't get chumped to size i don't remember what made me think to do this i somebody maybe it was another podcast was just talking about king of kong Mm -hmm. or maybe it was like a waypoints when they were talking about one of those movies like or not one of those movies but just a movie in general like billy mitchell's been in the news recently he has been in the news that that is true uh we will we will talk about that closer to the end probably um but i I just kind of thought this was a good time to revisit the film see see kind of like how it plays now in 2020 and also because this is a film from 2007 a lot of stuff's happened like like johnny uh like johnny alluded to there's been some billy mitchell stuff uh on the last episode i gave a hint i think uh johnny you were talking about watching regular show right Mm -hmm. um so billy mitchell also had a, a different lawsuit against uh cartoon network and regular show because his uh likeness was parodied for a couple of episodes. He is uh, a parody. We will. We he is a parody. That is very true. But we'll talk he's about those later. <laughs> we hate you. You know, he's painted to be an asshole for sure, especially by this film. Uh, and I think he leans into it at this point. Got like that real wrestling heel. Oh yeah, uh, attitude heel. to him. But but also one of the things that I like about this movie is that it it does take sides like documentary film 
I took a documentary film class in college, so I'm probably an expert. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the idea that uh, every documentary film, you know, there, there's no such thing as objectivity here. There is always a view, a lens uh, of the documentary themselves. Uh, there's going to be some inherent bias, and that's fine. In fact, it can it can make for a more compelling movie documentary. And I think that's exactly what happens here in King of Kong. And and even though this wasn't the first video game documentary, I think it was probably the mo- it's probably the most popular one. And it's also one that I think really sparked the idea that people are interested in video game documentaries. And one of the things I see about other video game documentaries, you think about uh, like Indie Game the Movie, or you think about the stuff that Noclip's doing, um, and and those don't those don't tell a story in the way that King of Kong does. They they aren't they aren't films in the way that King of Kong kind of feels. They are they are archives. They are they don't have that reality ooh. show ish <laughs> quality to yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's there's a storytelling to it that I don't think. Yeah, uh, there's drama. These, I mean, there's certainly drama yeah. in any game of the movie. Uh, totally, totally. Like, I'm not saying those those things don't have arcs. Uh, I'm thinking about like Double Fine Adventure here. Uh, it's like those those have arcs. Oh, we're out of money. We're trying to figure this out. Right. We're, we're working with people. Uh, like you mentioned, any game of the movie, Phil Fish getting screwed by his partner. Uh, like the getting screwed the, by the, life. Getting screwed by life. <laughs> uh, the the Super Meat Boy guy guys um, like trying to get onto Xbox Live, trying to be part of that. Uh, Xbox Live Indie Games or Summer of Arcade, Arcade. that's what it is. Um, Like, those those are arcs. They have stories, but this one is, like, a very clear villain hero that you root for things. Oh, it's one of the oldest formulas, man. It's it's sports. It's good versus evil. Yeah. It's got clearly defined roles in it. David versus Goliath, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a true underdog story. It's Rudy. Right. It's Rudy with, with video games. And I think uh, while this movie does have some facts in it, for sure, the documentary has facts. It is a documentary after all. But it, it, it does take a side in the way that it tells a story, that it has a viewpoint. And I don't think right. a lot of other documentaries about video games do that. They're mostly just like, hey, this thing happened. Let's let's talk about right. how I made this thing. Let's talk about the struggles we had to make this thing. And this one's like, no, 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 no. Here's a good guy. Here's a bad guy. You root for people. You boo for people. It's it's great. Anyway, um, before we get into the actual movie itself, I want to talk to you guys. Uh, what what was your experience with King of Kong before I had you rewatch it for this this show? H- had you seen it before? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead, Bobby. Go. Okay. Um, there's a there's, I had an awesome story with this, and I was so elated whenever you said that we're going to be talking about it. So I started going to I started my junior year at Greenville College in 2007. So roughly like a few weeks after this movie came out. Totally. And uh, as fate would have it, I ended up crossing paths what would become like one of my my lifelong best friends and roommate. And his name was Kyle. I, I wasn't there. What are you talking I know. About? I know. Uh, but my friend Kyle and I crossed paths and we hit it off and he actually like found out how much I was into video games, especially when we moved in together. But he 
one day made a comment about, oh, okay, come over here. We're going to have a potential Donkey Kong kill screen. And like, I didn't know what he was referencing. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so like, he just kept saying, I thought it was really funny. He's like, did you not see the King of Kong? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, it's this documentary about, you know, uh, Donkey Kong and a potential Donkey Kong kill screen. Um, my friend Kyle was in a band called the pen name and he, they were working on this album during our college days. Like it was a big project. They didn't have a ton of money really scraping things together. Um, I didn't have a ton of money at the time either. So I pirated this movie, uh, to watch it in college. How and dare you? I know that's, that's on and tape. It's on tape. And, uh, one of the track names on Kyle's, uh, album for the pen name is called potential Donkey Kong kill screen. And it was named after that particular part of this movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, uh, I remember we all, we had like 10 dudes come over to the house. We all were like huddled around the TV, fucking screaming at Billy Mitchell, screaming for Steve Wiebe. And it was like legitimately watching a sports event unfold before your eyes. But it was so cool. It, it, it is still to this day, one of my favorite documentaries. And, uh, I, I have such a deep fondness for it, for what it was, what it, the story is telling, but also for the time and place that I first encountered it. Nice. Johnny, how about you? Uh, I had just started working at Apple uh, back in 2009 or 10, and uh, someone there was ta- was referencing it. I didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, and they told me this movie about a guy going for the Donkey Kong world record, and that I should I should just watch it, and so uh, my my wife, my then girlfriend Misty, uh, now wife, and I watched it together. She claims she doesn't remember it, uh, but I remember the both of us sitting down to watch it, and like Bobby said, cheering on Steve Wiebe, yeah. hating Billy Mitchell's guts and his stupid yeah. ties and his long hair and his ugly USA beard. <laughs> um, USA, and we watched it again last night, and she. Uh, we we just watched Best in Show last week. Okay, and yeah. she said at one point that this is more of a satire than Best in Show, and she it's it's she's, funny. I I've seen interviews with with people, um, or, or actually that was um, there was an at the movies with uh, with Ebert and and uh, Roper and one of the things they said is like, I watched this movie with other people and every time I come out of there or at least like after the first half hour or something, everyone's asking me like, is this real? Is that like, did this happen? Because it's <laughs> such, it feels like such a parody yeah. of what we think it, of as gamers. Like they, you they are the, the most stereotypical, uh, the twin uh, galaxies guy showing all Walter the, Day, yeah. the boxes of tapes. Not, oh, not no, Walter no, no, Day. Yes. Robert Ro- Robert Merchek. Yeah. yeah, and I think Brian Coe is it Coe or Q? How do you say his name? Yeah, hey, it's funny. It's funny that you mess up his last name because yeah. everyone else messes up messes up Steve Weeby's name. We'll we'll get into all Steve that stuff. Weeb. Johnny, finish your story about about watching it. We just I waited to watch it until she was going to lay down because I started it and she's like, "Honey, I don't know if I can do this right now. Let's just watch The Simpsons." And so I did. And then she ended up staying up watching the whole thing with me because she was so entranced by what she was seeing before her eyes. <laughs> um, and it's it holds up. It's I was so into it. I was probably more into it now than I was back then. But 
Go ahead, Bob. Doesn't, doesn't it feel like, I don't know if you guys felt this way watching it again, because at the time when it was 2007, it didn't really feel like that. But for me watching it, it feels like it came from 1980. Like it feels like it's yeah still in that time it period. It doesn't old. feel like it was of the time that it came out, which is crazy. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I can't remember the first time I saw it. I, I must have been in college at the time. Um, I'm sure I probably pirated it or or a friend had a copy or something and, Second and I watched confession. it that way. On I, I said probably. That's that's uh that is probable denial right there. Not the word. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, um Double Jeopardy. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is. Um but watching it back now, it it's actually a lot shorter than I thought yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. For sure, I, I I remember I remembered it being this long epic journey that that took Steve Weeby to to get the record. He breaks the record within like the first twenty minutes of the film, and yeah. and of course, like there's more to it than that. There like other yeah. things happen, and we'll we'll talk about those things. But it's still it's still kind of just like well, this thing happens, and then this thing happens, and then this thing happens, and then the movie's over. Um, and and I felt like it was. It had more situations than that, but it really just feels like there were like three big shoots, more or less, shooting days on on when they captured a lot of this footage, and then it's a lot of talking heads back and forth. But it's still, it, it's just a fascinating movie to me, and it's one that I really enjoy. I, I've probably seen it about five or six times, just because it is it is so much fun. Um, so this movie was made by, uh, directed by Seth Gordon. Uh, he he would spend his childhood summers in New Hampshire, and specifically he would go to Fun Spot, which is one of the locations in the movie. It's a it's a big arcade in New Hampshire, and and I think and it it seems like this is what he says uh, that that's kind of where his love of classic gaming, uh, where he met a lot of these people, where he thought that they were interesting. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. is probably the most generous way we can They're describe certainly them. Interesting. <laughs> um, and, and it seems like this is how he kind of got the idea to make a film about these people, a documentary about these people. And he, when he was starting shooting, when he was doing production, the, the goal was never, Oh, let's make a donkey Kong thing between these two guys. It was, it was always really just like, Oh, let's talk to a bunch of these weirdos at at fun spot and let's kind of get all of their stories and as things evolved a friend of the producer knew steve weeby so they had kind of that had that connection and there was a little bit of a story there and then they started connecting the dots and whenever they talked to people for interviews billy mitchell's name came up a lot because he's such a big deal in those circles and it wasn't until post-production in the editing room where they looked at all this stuff and they went shit guys we have a donkey kong movie (laughs) and and they they turned it specific like that was just supposed to be one of a number of stories that they were going to tell but they had so much footage and the story itself was so compelling that it turned into king of kong just by just by way of it being the most interesting thing they had how could it not uh, at that point? I mean, how could you just not I, look I, at I it know. and be, holy shit. Uh, like, the the fact that you're telling me that this just kind of fell in their lap is yeah. mind-blowing. It's, mind-blowing. it's insane. Like, the, 
not only did it fall in their lap, but like they weren't sure they they didn't know what they had because sure. there's another documentary that actually came out around the same time as King of Kong called Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade, and it deals with so much similar stuff. Uh, it, it and we'll we'll talk more about that later, but. Uh, it's it's interesting that the movie that Seth Gordon talks about originally making was kind of made by someone else, and it's fine. It's, Dante's it's, Peak Inferno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. Actually, Chasing Ghosts is super interesting, too, and we'll talk about that closer to the end of the show. Um, but I, I just found that, that really incredible. Uh, Seth Gordon, you probably don't know anything else he's done, but he has done... Well, I mean, you probably don't know him... He's done but a lot. he has done some stuff. He has done a lot of stuff. I wouldn't say a lot of great stuff. He uh, directed two episodes of Parks and Rec. Uh, he, he did direct a couple of television shows, an episode of The Office as well. Um, but probably what he's, he's best known for these days, he directed Horrible Bosses. Um, yeah. Which, which you know, that, that's a pretty good comedy. Also, Steve Wiebe makes a, makes a cameo in that movie. Oh. <laughs> he's a security guard. It's interesting. Huh. Um, he also directed Baywatch, the the new Baywatch movie with with The Rock. Let's just stop so. the show now and talk about that. <laughs> uh, why don't we actually just talk about this movie? So let's stay, set the stage. Let's talk broadly here about these two main. It, it's weird. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they are characters, but they're right. subjects. The subjects of this documentary. Let's talk about Steve Weeby. And, and Billy Mitchell. So we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but but Johnny, why don't you start us off here and just like paint a word picture of who Billy Mitchell is. Uh, man, uh, let's see. What, what, is, what does Billy Mitchell look like? A dork. <laughs> uh, Billy Mitchell is a guy with uh, dark, dark long hair, uh, a beard. What, what kind of hair? Johnny? Silken. Just. <laughs> he's got the same haircut that he's had since 1980. This, this man, this man is rocking that mullet and he will yeah. never let it go. It's no, great. he won't. Cause this is yeah. America. And by God, how, how would you know it's America, Johnny? Cause he, he lets you know, he wears uh, ties that feature the statue of Liberty or old glory herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he comes across as uh, very cocksure uh, very much full of himself, and uh, maybe he he likes to play by his own rules, and maybe uh, things get. Maybe he has the rules bent for him a little bit. Some foreshadowing, I like it. So, so Bobby, I'll throw it over to you now. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about Steve Weeby or Steve Weeb, as most people in the movie call him. Uh, I think Steve Weeby is probably one of the most forgettable people you've never met. And I mean that with all due respect. Like, I think that he is somebody that absolutely hates the limelight. Uh, he's a perfectionist. He is a family man. He is somebody that has never got their due for the work that they put in. And he's okay with that. He's the type of guy that will put in the work and not care about the credit given to him, but always be working towards getting uh, a, a goal for himself. Yeah, like if if you looked up the word "normal dude" in the dictionary, yeah. there's a picture of Steve Weeby right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's uh, the, the most blending in motherfucker, yeah. and that's that, that is what makes him so endearing. 
In the, in he's relatable film. for a lot of people. Yeah. He's totally. just a guy. Jo- yeah. Johnny, uh, your wife and I uh, worked at a place together uh, a, a number yes, of years ago. And I, and, uh, I told her our what boss, you said. Yep. Our boss has big Steve Weeby energy. Did she, did she agree? <laughs> she did. Yeah. Did, of course. Like, and not just the way he looks, but the way he sounds. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, well, so there are some other notable characters, and we'll, we'll talk about them more as they come up. But uh, we're, we're not really here to try to retell the entire movie with this deep dive. Um, I'm probably going to go into a lot of these different scenes, but we'll, we'll skip over a couple of things. Um, but I do want to say, if, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this, maybe, maybe pause this. I, I think it's, it's a good enough film. It's seven dollars. It, it's, it's seven dollars, or it's on YouTube for free. Yeah, go yes. go watch, watch it for free. Um, it's it's worth it. It's it's absolutely worth it. Um, I don't feel so bad for pirating you, it now, knowing that it's on YouTube. <laughs> for sure. Uh, if you have seen it though, uh, we're going to try to talk a little bit more about the film, do a little commentary, and also, like we said earlier, we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened between 2007 and 2020. And, and catch up with some of these people. So there's there's something in it for you as well. Um, so before we get into it, what's everyone's experience with Donkey Kong as as an arcade game or classic arcade games in general? I, I don't think that's a topic we touch on much at the casual hour. And I'm um, genuinely interested to see like what games you guys played of that era, if you played it all. Um, is it is it all stuff going back? Like, did you play Namco Arcade on a on a GBA card or something like that? Or were you there playing original hardware the the right way? I mean, no ROM, no emulators. I had uh, I had an Atari twenty six hundred when I was a kid for a little while until it broke, and I remember playing uh, Pac Man and some other, you know, not as good as the arcade machine versions of those games. Right. Um, I had uh, Miss Pac Man on the Sega Genesis, and I played the shit out of some Miss Pac Man on there. Uh, I really, really love that game, uh, and you know it's it's something uh, far around, like arcades for us. I feel like you know we reached the twilight of those, and they became fewer and fewer. And the arcades that we did have had newer arcade games, and you had less of the old ones around. But um, you know, I I've, I've definitely really you. You never remember going to an arcade or like going to a pizza place that had yeah one of for these sure machines in them, but it'd be like. Pizza Hut and here's Mortal Kombat. You know, it wasn't sure. okay. Uh, like, I you would go places that might have Galaga or Pac Man or Frogger Machine, uh, but I was always drawn more towards the newer stuff. Um, yeah, I played I played Donkey Kong for the first time actually a couple of years ago at the uh, um, City Museum here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a little restaurant area and they have a bunch of old arcade cabinets. And they had a legit Donkey Kong machine, and that game is very difficult, hard as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they talk about it in the in the documentary, but I'm not too dissimilar here from Johnny. Uh, I am the the eldest member of the Casual Hour, but not by a lot. And so my time with arcades was not too dissimilar from Johnny's. There was a small mom and pop restaurant in my hometown that had a Miss Pac Man cocktail table. And so I do remember playing that, but a lot of the stuff that I was checking out, big X-Men and Simpsons arcade with my friends kind of spread around it. And then Mortal Kombat, of course, was a big one. But I did have, uh, I remember 
being very young and having Donkey Kong, Qbert, and a few other games on my Nintendo system. And like I, I did surprisingly well with Donkey Kong, considering how difficult it was. But yeah. it was a situation of pure frustration. And I would just want to play Mario. Um, so for me, like classic arcade games, um, you know, I, I recently did a review for the Nerdy Bits team when the uh, Bubble Babble, the new one that came out mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. Switch, and they had they had the arcade version of that. And uh, I remember on our PC, my dad had Dig Dug, and he had like a CD-ROM that had some classic arcade games on it, and I really liked that. But hardware-wise, the only time I've really seen some of these ancient cabinets is in Manitou Springs in Colorado. They have like an old, like basically arcade hall. And we went in there and they had some cool stuff. But, yeah, not a whole lot. That's interesting. So I guess I have the most uh, retro game experience of, of this group, despite also being the youngest in this group. I don't think um, that's too surprising, though, knowing kind of how you are with... I mean, but but it's it's finding arcades. It's that I played these games in arcades or in pizza places and things like that. And you guys were presumably going to those same kinds of places... But not having those experiences, not seeing those I, I machines, was, like I was at the Time Crisis booth. I was sure at the sure. Cruise in and, USA booth. Yeah, but for me, it was like I think just the places I frequented were stuck in the past, mm-hmm. and so they didn't they didn't update their arcade games because my Pizza Hut didn't have uh, Mortal Kombat. We had we had a Galaga machine that I played a lot. Like anytime we went to go pick up a pizza, um, I would always get to play a game of Galaga before we'd take it away um if like i would go when my parents would take me down to the lake of the ozarks uh for for weekends we'd go to some restaurants down there man remember going to restaurants what a time yeah (laughs) (laughs) um there there was a place called the painted pony and they had a number of machines and i remember playing dig dug there i love dig dug i think dig dug is is maybe my favorite classic Mm -hmm. arcade game um i i loved seeing the flowers go on the top as, as like that's their indication of levels um i loved being able to build the track myself like pac-man felt so restrictive to me that i that i'm just in this maze it gave me anxiety uh to to an extent a mild mild anxiety but dig dug it's like i'm i'm digging the hole i'm deciding where to go right and if i want to dig under this rock i'll dig under this rock well, you get to blow a bad idea exactly yeah you you got to <laughs> you got to like stick them with a a, a bicycle pump bicycle pump and it's pretty violent when you think about it's, it it's yeah. hilarious but it's hilarious though like it's not it's not shooting things it's i want to dig dug battle there. royale man a hundred a hundred diggers all getting dug oh, <laughs> yeah no hundred diggers dug out of a plane it's good it's good uh, <laughs> um so I remember that, and then there was another restaurant down at the lake called Frogs, and guess what? They had a Frogger machine. And, That's weird. <laughs> and so I played a shit ton of Frogger as well, and and Frogger I'd probably probably put right up there as as one of my favorite classic arcade games too. Um, I'm surprised but, you don't but, have an actual arcade cabinet. I do. Well, I mean, you, you, ac- you have a cocktail actual, table, right? I have a cocktail, cocktail table. table yeah. That uh, that has like an emulator board thing that has like 75 games in one or. So I've, I actually, before this podcast, uh, last night, I played a game of Donkey Kong on it for the first time in years. Um, fuck, that game's hard. What was your, what was your <laughs> score, Chase? 
Uh, it wasn't great. It was like twelve thousand five hundred. Like, n- like certainly bad. So, I I got to the third level, the third board rather. Did did whenever somebody got like a three hundred thousand score on Donkey Kong uh-huh. watching this, I was just like, you piece of shit. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> <laughs> you piece yeah. of shit. It's like watching somebody uh, like strike out in the major leagues. Like, uh, you did suck. you did no, you your catch trash? <laughs> did you catch the the very end of the credits of the movie? No. So they they kind of do that. Here's where everyone landed. Here here's what happened after. Uh, like, hey, that that old woman who played Cubert, yeah, she died. Um, oh, go figure. <laughs> I was like, she was ninety years old. It was gonna happen pretty soon. Uh, but the last thing they show is Derek Weeby, who is Steve Weeby's small son. His high score in Donkey Kong is seventy eight thousand. And I'm like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, I guess that kid. I guess that kid learned something from his dad. But holy shit, man! I got twelve thousand five hundred. <laughs> but Bobby, I had I had a similar problem to you in that uh, you know I had Super Mario Brothers at home. Mm-hmm. Like I could go, I could just play Mario Brothers and or Super Mario Brothers rather. And right. knowing how that felt, how Mario felt in that game, to go back to something like Donkey Kong in an arcade and to play that, it just felt sluggish. It felt sluggish. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't jump very high. Uh, he like I could clear those barrels no problem if it was Super Mario Brothers, but in Donkey Kong, shit, man, this guy can't jump. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and again, like and, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you two, but like I didn't, we were borrowing parents' money for that. Sure. Oh yeah, it was totally like, Dad, yeah. can I borrow a quarter? Mom, can I borrow a quarter? I want to go play right. a game. And and I wasn't being sent to arcades or anything because those got dangerous, you know. Right. Um, but if we were at a restaurant or something that had an arcade machine, it was like, okay, let's get him out of our hair for 10, 15 minutes as he go, goes and plays a game. Uh, probably shorter if I was playing Donkey Kong, because, again, that game is hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely more interested in the Frogger, in the Dig Dug. Um, I feel like there was another one. that. Oh, Asteroids. Asteroids was also one of yeah, my big favorites. Sure. Because uh, that one was just so weird. Like it was a vector game. Like it, it was so bright compared to any of the other games. I, I didn't have a Tempest machine around me, so I didn't know that there were other vector-based games at the time. But Asteroids was, like, holy shit, man! This yeah. this thing is, <laughs> despite being from the past, right. this thing is from the fucking future. Yep. <laughs> pretty pretty fun stuff. All right, enough enough dancing around it. Let's talk about this movie. And the movie opens up on this really great quote from Billy Mitchell, and I just need to read it to you. It's about the nature of video games themselves. Video games are meant to be played for fun. Video games are meant to be played at home, relaxing on a couch, amongst friends. But competitive gaming, when you want to attach your name to a world record, when you want your name written into history, have to pay the price. I love I love that line. It starts. It's so good. Like he's in. Um, he's not in the restaurant for this shot. I can't remember where he is. Maybe he's like in the office part of the restaurant. But uh, you don't you don't see him back in the kitchen uh, where he where he works. Um, but he's got the mullet. He's got the tie. The delivery of this line. Just the everything. phone clipped he, right there in front on his belt. Oh, so so good. But he is he is immediately distancing himself from other people. He's, he's making them the other, and he's saying, I am different, I am better in, in some way. Because um, he doesn't just play video games like, like some common person. Yeah. Like, if you want to do that, go have fun with your friends on the couch, you loser. Like, I play, 
I'm I'm a competitive gamer. How many times a day does Billy Mitchell use the word simp? <laughs> I bet he does not know what simp means. But I bet he, he does. He is the original <laughs> e- esports. Yeah, kind of. Like that is Yeah, totally. Like there is there is no, a No, I'm not I'm not being made. facetious. Like No, totally. Like back in 82 like, and all that shit, man. He was the, the one of the OG esports. Yeah, like some some people call Walter Day, who is the 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 founder of Twin Galaxies, the the father of esports, because that is like he he's the one who kept those scores when nobody else did, and it led to this competitive atmosphere that that is and esports in a fucking, way. It certainly wasn't called that at the time, but as fucking corny as he was delivering this, you know, speech, there there's a level of conviction from him because yeah. he pioneered it. Like he he honestly pioneered it in a way. He he did, but it's also funny the way that he talks about this. Like he's worked his entire oh, life yeah. to get these records, and oh, he got man. all of these records when he was seventeen. Right. And he's and now in this movie he's forty two. <laughs> like when he's giving this interview, he's forty two. Like you know, this guy sucks from the word go. Like you're immediately ready for him to get dethroned, to get his comeuppance, because like this guy has been more or less coasting on this score from 1982 and it's fucking 2007 get over yourself if I, you you are not this elite gamer no. you maybe were at one time but like come come the fuck on I, what are you I talking don't, about i don't believe in violence but <laughs> but god damn it billy mitchell has one of the most punchable fucking faces i've ever seen he, he definitely does, and and I think this is just the perfect line to start this movie on because it really does just immediately. You don't even know who Steve Weeby is. You have no idea about anything else in this movie because the only thing you've seen is Billy Mitchell talk this fucking game, and like uh, you just you want to see him go down. Uh, but in case that first quote is is somehow too subtle for you, the the next. The next like five minutes or so is just incredible because we get this lavish biography on this legendary gamer that is Billy Mitchell. Like we first we go back to the beginning. We we go to this Life magazine shoot that happened in 1982. It was done in Ottumwa, Iowa, which my computer tries to autocorrect to Ottawa because nobody cares about Ottumwa, Iowa. <laughs> um, and and this sh- this shoot is featuring the best players. Uh, at a number of different classic arcade games. Well, arcade games. They weren't classic at the time. They were just arcade games. Um, so we've got, you know, we've got your studs like uh, like 14-year-old Mike Lukoski. Uh He scored 286,410 points on Miss Pac-Man. Uh, that record, by the way, is now, in 2020, 933,580 by Abner Ashman. But, you know, we, Mike did okay at the time. Uh, there was Todd Walker. Everybody knows Todd Walker from San Jose. He got 700,000 points in Joust. Pretty impressive, guys, don't you think? It's no 12,000 in Donkey Kong. It's no 12,000 in Donkey Kong. It's also no 9,999,999 by Lonnie McDonald, who that is the max score that Ronald you can McDonald? get in Joust. <laughs> Lonnie McDonald. Oh, his uh, brother. Not only... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> not only has he got the max score on Joust, he has now gotten the max score on 181 different Joust cabinets as of 2018. Huh. This dude, this dude's a legend. This, this dude's dude the one fucks. I want to see a documentary on. Um, t- he beat he beat a, a Joust cabinet in each of the 50 states. 
and then just kept going. If you are it's the in- king of Kong, what are you? The blank of Joust. You're the the jewel. You're the, the jewel, jewel of Joust. joust. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. It's it's very it's very good. Um, another one of those things that happens post credits in King of Kong. Um, there's another guy we haven't talked about. We're just about to talk about him. His name is Steve Sanders. Um, at the end, it says. Oh, Steve Sanders is now working on getting the Joust World Record. And I'm like, bitch, no, you ain't. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we got Sanders. we got Lonnie McDonald over here who's kicking your ass. <laughs> I mean, Lonnie McDonald sounds like a clown, but Steve <laughs> Sanders is a fucking clown. Steve Sanders is a clown. Uh, we'll we'll talk about him in in literally just a second here. Um, but really, we're focusing on two names here uh, as part of this Life magazine shoot. One of them, Bill Mitchell, known at that point. He's 17. From Hollywood. Rocking that dirt stash. Ho- Hollywood, Florida. But Hollywood, you know. It's the same Hollywood. thing, probably. Uh, I'm from um, Hollywood. Guaranteed he, that. He's shown uh, as the centipede world champion at 25 million points. Pretty, pretty impressive. And then there is Steve Sanders, who we were talking about. And Steve Sanders, hometown boy. Clinton, Missouri, representing. Yeah. I mean, Cl- Clinton, to be fair, is like that's closer to like Kansas City area. So hmm. we're in St. Louis. We don't really claim him, um, and you'll you'll see why we don't claim him here in a second. Um, he racked up three million one hundred and sixty-five thousand three hundred points in Donkey Kong, which is a lot of points. That's a lot more points than my twelve thousand five hundred. Uh, yeah. Really impressive. Nobody can touch him. Uh, not even he can touch him because. He made that bullshit up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fake news. <laughs> turns out Steve Steve Sanders had submitted a phony score. Billy Mitchell knew that he was a better player. He he knew he, he knew like there is no way anybody got three million points on on Donkey Kong. That's on ridiculous. And and this gathering of of players of super players was his chance to really prove it. He embarrasses Sanders. They go like head to head playing Donkey Kong. Sanders, I think in the movie he says he got like two hundred thousand points uh, at total, and then Billy had like six hundred thousand points on his first man. So mm-hmm. I, it, it was extremely clear that that Billy Mitchell was way better than Steve Sanders, and that Steve Sanders had had fucking lied. Um, and and despite embarrassing him, turns out that they they became friends, guys. Like they're 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 BFFs. best of buddies now. Interesting. Hey, if you can't um, beat them, kiss their ass every time you see them and do all their bidding for them. <laughs> yes, yes. You we'll, clown we'll talk ass. More about, we'll talk more about good old Steve Sanders uh, in in uh, later minutes here. Um, I hope he listens. So, I hope he's like one of our ten <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Him and his his three children. Um, four children or three three children, I believe. Um, anyway. So, 1982, Billy Mitchell holds the record for Donkey Kong. His score is 874,300 points. Uh, And what's really interesting about this score, and they don't mention it until about halfway through the film, all of these scores that are being talked about, when Steve Weeby's getting scores, when Billy Mitchell's getting new scores, they they don't just get as far as they can in the game and and then come up short. Like, they 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 don't they don't die. They don't lose all their lives. And oh well, that's the score I ended up with. That doesn't happen. 
they are beating this game. They are getting to, to the kill that Donkey Kong kill screen. Like yeah, even we Billy Mitchell's, here, we, we got a kill screen over here. Um, even Billy Mitchell's 874,300 points is a kill screen. And it's just like, that's how many points he was able to get within that limited amount of levels, that limited amount of time that he was able to, uh, to rack up those points for that score. And, and I think that's a super fascinating thing that they don't mention until like halfway through the movie. It's like, it's not just that somebody kept going. It's that they had to break down the game in a way to, to learn all of its secrets of how to, to, how to milk like every extra point that they could get out of it. And, and I find that really fascinating. And it's weird that it doesn't get mentioned more in the movie. Yeah, that is um, strange. And then we keep talking about... Uh, it's it's kind of told more in like a folklorish kind of way, but this this Life magazine shoot, I I think it's a pretty genuine story. Like it's the only time that I even kind of root for Billy Mitchell, because you know we're we're coming off that quote that is so shitty. But when you think about it, like he he went to this place. He was he was a very good video game player. He was the best centipede player around. Um, there's this cheater over here. He knows there's a cheater over there. Not only does he right this wrong and show the cheater the error of his ways, he becomes his friend. Like he he shows mercy in a way to to get yeah. this guy to be his friend. And it's like, wow, you know what? Stand up guy. Probably. No. no. <laughs> um, but then any goodwill that you possibly get from that that Life magazine story is is just immediately blasted away. Uh, and the, the filmmakers are totally totally manipulating you in this way in in a good way like this is this is that good manipulation that um it's that documentarian showing showing a kind of a point of view here uh billy mitchell is shown to be this conquering hero in maybe the dorkiest way possible like he he is made into a messiah by the other talking heads that you see uh twin galaxies founder and operator walter day which we will talk more about walter day um he thinks he could be on the wheaties box someday we talk to his parents and his his slouchy dad is just in this chair and he's like yeah he's a winner okay okay buddy um we we get this b-roll of of billy awkwardly stocking shelves of his own hot sauce and and not only that it looks like he's like hiding no he is hot sauce I, i couldn't tell if that see i couldn't tell if that was uh his own warehouse or something no he's at a grocery store Okay, all right. I, I believe you. That's what I think it is too. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but yeah, it no, totally looks like he's that. hiding competitive competitors' hot sauces and just putting his giant bottles of sauce Ricky's. Uh, <laughs> up on the shelf. It's it's really good. Um, and then like un- under that, they're also playing these low grade local commercials to show that you know he's a successful businessman. It's not just he's not just the best Pac Man player. He's not just the best Donkey Kong player, but he's the king know, of he, hot sauce. He's he's the king of hot sauce, man. He is he has a legitimate business because he's he's real at this. Like video games didn't take over his life. He took over video games, and now he's taken over the business world. Uh, and and just the the absolute best cherry on top is that uh, a man named John Farley, who uh, I believe is charitably referred to as a folk singer in this movie, um, sings this song over footage of Billy Mitchell's uh, perfect quote unquote perfect Pac-Man score, which he did get. Like this was in a public forum where he got this perfect Pac-Man score. He got a plaque from from the creator of Pac-Man, whose name eludes me at the moment. Um, 
but it's it's incredible um I don't know if we're going to play the song at this point, but I will at least tell you the lyrics because the lyrics are the important part. <clears throat> Billy Mitchell, primo joystick dude, amazing in the maze, he ain't going to lose. A blue man in the corridors singing the blues, a perfect game goes down, Billy's on the move. Ugh. Beautiful. Brings a tear to your eye, really. Oh. I mean, I don't even I- know if we can get that song in here without... <laughs> Billy bit barring down our door asking for some money. Yeah. Like just a just a real a real hero, honestly. Uh and and then Billy has another great quote to end like this barrage of greatness that we've heard here. And it's if I have all this good fortune, if everything's rolling my way, if all these balls have bounced in my favor, what a weird phrase. <laughs> there is some poor bastard out there getting the screws put to him. And next we meet that poor bastard. <laughs> And that poor bastard's name is Steve Weeby. We cut to Redmond, Washington. Um, Steve Weeb, as as we all know, his, his real name is definitely Weeb. Um, it's it's the best running joke through the whole film. Everyone is calling him Steve Weeby, especially Walter Day, who is like yeah. the guy, the record keeper extraordinaire. He cannot be bothered to pronounce Steve Weeby's name correctly, and it is it is just like this low key dehumanizing passive aggressive slight that is is just beautiful i i i love it it's my favorite thing about the entire film steve weed and then he finally chirps up and says something about it he he does it's we'll we'll get to that too it's it's the it's the uh redemption of steve sanders is uh we'll we'll get to that um so we get weeby's introduction here and it is it is way more genuine and sympathetic and, you know, Billy's montage is set to in the hall of the mountain king. Steve gets this like gentle kind of messy piano music. But then you you realize it's him playing the, the piano like this is it's not just it's not just something appropriated to to build Billy no. up. It is. He's an artist, like, Chase. He's an artist. You know, he, he came by it. Honestly, he learned how to play piano. He worked hard to be this good at the piano. He's not perfect. But he worked he at didn't, it. He didn't achieve one thing and then ride that for the rest of his life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In fact, the things he was good at that he wanted to ride, he just he he wasn't he wasn't quite good enough. Uh, it's it's incredible. Like this this dude, it, it just like comes off as the most sympathetic character possible. He was recently laid off. He's looking for for some control in his life. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a family here. And everything, like everybody who talks about him, talks about the ways that you know he's just come up short every time in life. He was a he was a really great pitcher in high school. His dad was the coach of the team, uh, and you know when it came to the big game where he was pitching, just he just didn't just have it. He was yeah. he was too tired from a previous game. His his arm just couldn't handle it, and and they got they got rocked, and he's. He, ne- he was never able to pitch again, guys. And then he was in a band, and you know he's he's a great musician. He plays the piano, he plays the drums, and you know, just that band just never went anywhere. It's it's too bad, man. Uh, he's he's just he's never he he climbs these metaphorical mount- mountains, and he's just never able to reach that top. Nope. And and it makes him so easy to root for because Steve Weeby is all of us. He's he's this everyman that is so easy to relate to. 
He's that cartoon character that's like about to fall off the side of a cliff, but the one like dandelion is all that he could grasp <laughs> onto, and it's like what's keeping him from falling to his abysmal end. And that totally. dandelion, like it's he's a caricature in himself. I mean, he's equally a cartoon character as much as Billy Mitchell is. Right, like he he is portrayed to be this this totally like schlubby dude, like who's who's tried tried hard in life, never made it. Too too bad. Like what a, what a what a sad he's, story uh, about. He's the Frank Grimes of. That's sorry, that's a Simpsons reference. I don't know if you'll get that. Or yeah, not. No, no, sure. No, I was. What's uh? What's the Walking Dead character's name? Is that also it's Grimes? Right. I couldn't Rick, tell you. Rick okay. Grimes. Rick Rick Grimes. That's. That's what I thought you meant, Chase, but yes, the Simpsons character for sure. I don't know if you'll he's talk the, about the, it. With, he's the Biff Loman of, yeah, uh, of Donkey Kong players. Didn't you say, or not you? But they did. Somebody alluded to in the movie that he might be autistic. Uh, his parents did, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think his mom says something like that because because of like his. Because the one good thing that he has, like he's he's never made it to any of these other things, but the one good thing he has, and you see it from the things that he's been good at, is this hand-eye right. coordination. Like he's he's got this focus. He's got this this. He's good with his hands to the point. Like that's why he's been such a good pitcher. That's why he's such a good drummer. And you know what? That might make him pretty good at Donkey Kong. So when you're talking about like him grasping at that one little dandelion before like <laughs> to not fall off the cliff, that one little dandelion is Donkey Kong. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's maybe yeah, that's, the only thing he has it. left in his life. And and because I mean, he's, from his wife has children. <laughs> sure, yeah. He's he's got a, a loving wife and and nice, annoying kids. <laughs> um, but <laughs> like he, he wants that control in his life. And that control that he finds is is Donkey Kong, and so he he works at it. Um, and uh, now we've we've kind of met our subjects here. We we know who Billy Mitchell is, total bad guy. We've we know who Steve Weeby is, the the absolute good guy that you want to root for. And and now we need to learn about the arena, the playing field that we'll we'll see these two battle in, and that is that is Donkey Kong, like we've mentioned, the famed hardest arcade game there ever is. And and they they're even talking about like even its first level is punishing, which I can vouch for. <laughs> I I definitely died to a couple barrels uh, pretty early on in that that game that I played. You know this is this is a game that is about patterns and you have to recognize them. You know there's so many things to dodge. There's hammers to get. There's uh, you know all all these things before you get up to to Donkey Kong and and Pauline, your girlfriend, uh, who's Steve Sanders, our favorite. We love Steve Sanders here on this podcast. Uh, Steve Sanders can't even be bothered to, to name the character right. He calls her Faye Ray, which isn't even the right character. <laughs> Faye Ray is an actress who played the the character in King Kong. She was the woman in King Kong. He can't even be bothered to call her Anne. Like, oh my God, Steve it's Sanders fine. sucks so much. He sucks so much. He sucks so much, guys. He sucks. Um, but does he? But he? He does. He absolutely does. Uh, he, he just can't be bothered to... to be knowledgeable about this game that he also claims that he's the best at. Um, we hear about barrel boards and elevator boards and spring Springs. placement, and we see we see like Steve Weeby drawn on his own machine with a with a white pencil to you know give himself like hit hints and tips to know like okay this is where I have to move. 
um he goes he goes like full beautiful mind on this shit oh in yeah his garage just like drawing out paths unlocking secrets of donkey kong and it's it's beautiful so we never see any of that with billy i i'm thinking we never see billy touch a, an arcade stick in no. this movie no it's no. not once. it's amazing and and because and because that like feeds into the narrative maybe he maybe they had footage of that and just omitted it but because it's not there the the thought that you get is like billy mitchell's greatness in donkey kong is this god-given talent it's just what he was born with and steve steve weeby's over here and he comes by it honestly you see him playing that game so goddamn much in this movie and like he's he's just this honest hard-working dude but he's got that hand-eye coordination and he he might be able to do it we see him drumming we see him pitching we see him playing the piano and and using all of those small precise movements that donkey kong requires the dude is kind of like the michael phelps uh, of donkey kong in that like his body is built in a way that that performs well at the game yeah. it's it's incredible and and while other top donkey kong players they show a bunch of scores um like what what was current in like 2006 2007 um or, or maybe a little bit earlier since these events are all kind of happening around this time um you know you have you have billy's incredible 874,300 points that that nobody can touch like the next closest person is like less than half of that it's it's incredible and but the glimpse we see of steve as he's playing on his on his machine in his garage we see that he's got over eight hundred and twenty thousand, just just from like this one clip that they right. take, and like, you think like, holy shit, this is actually possible. He could do it. And then we have the attempt. Steve's having this incredible game. He gets six hundred thousand points on a single life. Dude's playing out of his mind. Uh, but because he's his machine is in a garage, because he has to be near his family, because he's such a family man, uh, his kid interrupts his playing. <laughs> Kid needs Johnny, his ass you know wiped. what that's all about. <laughs> I, you know... Johnny, how many times have you been playing a video game and your son Jude just yells, Daddy, I need my butt wiped? Oh, I mean, not for a few years now. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're past that. You're past that, that phase now. That was thankfully. my reality for <laughs> several and years. And now you yell that to your son, Jude. <laughs> yes. I good. need my butt wiped. Yeah. Uh, not yet. Give it no f- no poop socks in the Amazich household. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's give it 50, 60 more years, and then then all. <sighs> yeah. 50, so, but like, kid kid has no interest in his father setting history. Uh, but despite despite the distractions, uh, Steve Weeby does it. It's some and, foreshadowing too, because he's going to get shit on the entire time he plays this game. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely yeah. is. Um, so what happens when you set a world record in a classic arcade game, especially when you're at your, at your home and nobody else sees it, you, you tape it, you, and then you stuff that tape in an envelope and you send it to twin galaxy. Some very good men. (laughs) Yes. Top, top men, top top guys. Um, (laughs) so he sends this tape to twin galaxies where we more, where we learn more about, uh, this record archive that is twin galaxies and especially Walter Day. And guys, we just this is the time where we need to talk about Walter Day. I Walter Day, I love I love him. Like this is yeah. th- this movie is clearly the documentary is clearly about Steve Weeby and, and Billy Mitchell, but like the third character in this is, is totally Walter Day. Like AKA is, Baloo 
from old school. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty close. Bobby, Bobby, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Walter Day, uh, what he wears, what he sounds like, what what he's all about. He is... So if you saw Walter Day at the, at the time of this movie especially, uh, he's, what, probably 60s? Is, is around his age, I'd say? He's 70. 70. Is he 70 now? Yep, he was born in 1949. Okay, so, so um, probably around 60s, 50s, yeah. late 50s, early 60s, and... He he dresses like a referee. Um, he is a referee. He is a referee. Dresses he is the, like. He is the referee. <laughs> he is the referee. Um, he is very passionate. He absolutely is just anything that you can imagine that would bring joy and excitement about video game, video game culture. He's non-assuming of people. I think that he is a fair individual uh, when it comes to judging character for the most part. Um, I think he I think he tries. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the important thing is that he tries to be impartial. He tries to do the right thing. He is he is so earnest in this movie. Yeah. He's also uh, he believes like what what really took me back with what he's doing and like there's a section we'll talk about with it even further but he believes that they are making history in what they're doing. Totally. Like he, and he is somebody that probably got made fun of when he was writing down scores on like corners of newspapers and all that other shit and like making some archive, but he is, we said it earlier, the godfather of a lot of things that we take for granted today. And uh, a lot of competitive gaming is because of this man right here. Totally. Like he, he wants to be the PT Barnum of video games. And the only problem with that is that he just has zero charisma. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He is just awkward. He is the awkward incarnate. But because he's the founder of Twin Galaxies, his his role is pivotal here. And it's there's a there's a thirty for thirty that's somewhat recent that came out on ESPN, uh, and it kind of has the closest parallel to to King of Kong to this whole thing uh, <laughs> that I that I found really interesting. And it's it's about competitive eating. You've got when you think about competitive eating, you think specifically about the the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, um, and and like that is kind of the Donkey Kong of competitive eating, right? And in this historically, we've had these these two guys, these two people who have dominated this event. We've got one is Takeru Kobayashi, and then the other one is Joey Chestnut. We we know both of those guys, and like those are the big dudes. Those are the names, but the name you don't probably don't know is George Shea. And George Shea is the guy who started this whole thing. He, he started the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. He made it popular. Um, he ended up like creating his own competitive eating league that the, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest is part of like this dude, the watching that 30 for 30 is incredible. It's called the good, the bad and the hungry. Uh, and it's, mm. It's so like this dude is a huckster. Like he is the anti Walter Day and that he is all charisma and backs it up with nothing. But he Ugh. is just taking advantage of everyone and then like throwing them away as soon as they aren't useful to him. Like he he basically ended up kicking Kobayashi out of the competition and just blackballing him uh because the dude's a dick. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, like he he had the new hotness in Joey Chestnut. 
he had this American now that he can root for. The the old, like the thing that really ties him in is like that dude is wearing the red, white, and blue all the time as well. Like he is he is the Billy Mitchell in in spirit, but he is the Walter Day in practice, and it's <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so that that dude is like chewing people up and spitting them out. Walter Day is the opposite. Like he is a, he is a doormat. And, oh yeah. And even though he has this position of power, he just like he it seems like he gets taken advantage of uh, and and almost like feels obligated to to be a gatekeeper, to not be fair because he wants to keep the friendships that he has in this tight knit community that is competitive games. And Steve Sanders, our boy, um, I think he says it best here. And he says the best features about him and he's talking about Walter Day are also his biggest downfall and that's that people could just run over him because he's so nice. And I like that's totally true because then Billy just gives up the game. Uh, he they they chart out the hierarchy at Twin Galaxies. We see Walter Day at the top, founder, cool. Robert Murchek, he's the head official. All right, whatever. Then uh, a bunch of referees that are under both of them. And in the list of that referees, Billy Mitchell is one of the referees. I know. Like, All right. That's a conflict. <laughs> and and uh. I can understand it from like a practical point of view. These positions aren't paid. Uh, like there aren't a ton of people who are probably knowledgeable who can spot the differences between uh, a Donkey Kong that's been emulated and a Donkey Kong that's on original hardware. I'm sure that's what Billy Mitchell was thinking when he submitted phony scores. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about that. Um, but the the fact that he's on the board of Twin Galaxies, that he can look over tapes of people who are trying to beat his own scores is just so icky. And something you learn, uh, something that I learned later, like Billy Mitchell, not only is he a referee, he has a financial stake in, or at least used to, had a financial stake in Twin Galaxies. Like, he was bankrolling it to a certain extent. And, <laughs> I, huh. it's it's just terrible. <laughs> like, come on. Yep. It's not shady at all. Not shady at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, a terrible human being. It, it's really, really funny. Um, you know, again, I, I understand that it's hard to fill those positions, but come on, this is, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, so then we see the, the, um, maybe this is probably just because I know more about this guy after the film, but I don't think the film portrays him in a very nice light. Uh, but that is the head referee that we talked about. Who's Robert Murchek. Uh, well, Walter Day, that dude's looking at the big picture. He says, not exactly sure what that means. It just sounds like. He doesn't do the work <laughs> because Robert Murchek does the work. He, he used to do the work for sure, but now Robert Murchek does the work. And Johnny mentioned, like, this is the dude who just has rooms of his house that he also lives with his parents. You find in a different documentary that I that I heard. Uh, he's also got a 22 pound cat. Uh, very good stuff. That dude's living his best life. <laughs> um, oh, he's got a chonker? Uh, yeah, Chungus. he also he also has oh, probably Lord. spent uh, three hundred thousand dollars on erotic art. <laughs> it's, it's you guys should watch Chasing Ghosts. Back to the, the show. You guys should watch Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. Uh, it's very good, but very good in a very different way than King of Kong. <laughs> um, but dude is clearly overwhelmed. He's got this this treasure trove of VHS tapes, all required for him to view uh, to make sure of their authenticity. Some of these tapes that he has to see, he talks about 
there's a there's a nibbler tape I, i've never played the game nibbler i have no idea what nibbler is about but somebody got somebody thinks they got the world record on nibbler and it's a 30 hour long video and he's got to watch somebody's got to watch that to verify that it's true uh, and that's God. robert Murchek's job and that's pretty much all he does except he also is an accountant you learn that in in chasing goes as well he works like 60 to 70 hours as an accountant every week and then he spends like another 40 hours just watching tapes fuck yeah man <laughs> what a, it's a, what a life what a life uh but hey he gets his exercise you see him doing some some wrist rollers <laughs> the most the most like, in his room like it's the only thing that would make it more appropriate is if he was just holding a katana like or like some some yeah. like oh, knife he's got like, mall knife katanas. oh yeah <laughs> and a komodo i don't i don't know if that dude could afford katanas with all that erotic art that he has um <laughs> but then we see him he's watching the tape he's he's laughing at the the kid uh talking about his butt i it's very charming so july 4th 2004 nathan's hot dog con- eating contest has actually happened the same day because it's july 4th that's when it happens um, but Steve Weeby officially one million six thousand six hundred points in Donkey Kong. He Boom. is the king of Kong, and he now that he's achieved, and now he's achieved his dream. He's he's been yeah. he's on the news now. Uh, some, he some he got a teaching ones, job. Like, he's the best he, in the world at something. His family's proud of him. His community's proud of him. He's got a job now. Everyone lives happy uh, happily ever after. What a great 24-minute film, guys. Like, it's just so nice that they encapsulate that. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. We still have an hour of movie left. (laughs) Hopefully not an hour of podcast left, but we definitely have an hour of movie left. And uh, the Mappy champion. Have you guys played Mappy? No. Mm -hmm. Stars a mouse. Uh, I think he's also a cop. Mappy is a cop mouse. (laughs) I was looking at uh, some screens of it. Yeah, I, I have not played Mappy. Uh, I think I've seen some Mappy being played on Giant Bomb or something. Um, but Mappy champ Greg Bond is here to fill us in on exactly what Steve Weeby has, uh, the, the wrath he has incurred by not only beating Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong record, he also beat his Donkey Kong Jr. record, but nobody actually gives a shit about that in this film, so don't worry about it. Um, so Billy here... He, like we said, he's he's got a lot of influence at Twin Galaxies, and he's casting doubt on this whole score, which he can do, because he's got this position that is a total conflict of interest. Um, the tape, which was verified by Robert Murchek, so it should be fine, right? Uh, now it's not enough, and we need some clandestine scrutiny, and uh, that means Donkey Kong bullshit. expert and the only person who's worse than Steve Sanders in this film, Brian Koo. Uh, also, like that dude is like totally part of of Billy Mitchell's inner circle, and then another referee named Perry Rogers, who we get like one single interview out of, where he's just like, oh, yeah, I don't know, everything was fine. I, I, I <laughs> just got to say it right now. Go for that it. There, there's a lot of controversy around scores in this game, uh-huh. and them being authentic. But the biggest lie told about any number in this game. Is that Brian Koo is 30 years old when this thing's being made? <laughs> There's no way in hell he's 30. Uh, I'm sorry. It's it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Like this dude, <laughs> this dude is just the worst. 
He's the absolute worst. We'll we'll talk more about him. Oh, he's uh, some Napoleon Dynamite. It, fuck off! I hate yeah. this guy. We got a, a kill screen over here potentially. <laughs> so. Well, we'll probably talk about him closer to that time because because right now it's it's not a big deal. He just goes to his house because he's a Donkey Kong expert. He goes to Steve Weeby's house. He asks to see the machine. Steve's not there. He's at work. His wife doesn't want him to come in, but his wife leaves. Um, and her mother or her mother-in-law, I can't remember which, it's is in the mom. house still. And and these two guys, Brian and, and Perry, I guess, like, talk their way in to, to the garage. Just a couple to, of goons. Support. The world's <laughs> worst goons. Hey, hey, they're just they're just doing their jobs. Like They're just doing a little official search. They're it's, there to it's shake them down. It's all good. They, they look over the machine. They look over the, the board. Can't really see anything wrong. But they do find a box, a package. And this package... Is uh, has the return address label of Roy Schilt, Mr. Awesome. Ar- argu- arguably that- <laughs> the biggest piece of shit on this documentary. Man, everybody's gunning for that title, though. I mean, <laughs> it's that- so hard to pick out who's the worst person. <laughs> we can talk about people being slimy or sleazy or anything like that. But, oh yeah, but Roy-, Roy Schilt is not a good dude. <laughs> Let, let's talk about Roy, Mr. Awesome Schilt, because his name throws everyone into a fucking tizzy. Uh, yeah. like, let, let's just run, run some stuff down. Um, dude wears a shirt with his name on it. Already, that dude sucks. Remember when Johnny wore a shirt with his yeah, name on a couple sucked. of weeks ago? Johnny yeah. Absolutely. Week Why ago. did I do that? <laughs> Good question, Cause, cause Mr. Awesome Mr. Jr. Awesome in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he made a video in 1989 about how to pick up girls, and he recreates the iconic scene from the movie Patton in it, where he's like behind, where like a big American flag is behind he him. He refers and he's just, to oh, picking so up girls as a very derogatory term. Yes, he definitely does. Uh, he also poses in the nude with girls, and he's, I, I, I guess he had those muscles at one time. Like, it, I, somebody could tell me that that was photoshopped, and I'd believe it, but it was made. <laughs> Long enough ago, where I'd be like, okay, he probably had to do that, but he definitely paid those models to to stand with him as they're all naked. I can't think of the comedian's it's, name, but if you've seen What Hot American Summer, he's the guy that works in the kitchen. Yeah, the redhead. Uh, I can't I can't remember the name uh, either, I but I, but you're yes, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, this this dude absolutely sucks. He he just super sucks. Uh, yeah. He's I mean, he's Mr. got bad. Awesome. It's, yes, Mr. Awesome. That's all you need to know. His license uh, plate says it too, right? It, it does. It absolutely does. Um, but Roy has bad blood with Billy due to a disputed Missile Command record. And who cares about that record? It was broken in 2006 by a guy in the UK named Tony Temple. Doesn't matter. But he's disputing it, damn it. He's disputing that Billy had this record instead of him. Uh, <laughs> and uh that record that that Billy had went into a or that Billy quote unquote might have had I don't know um, went into a book that was written by Walter Day about about you know high scores. Billy gets all the attention anyway, but now he's at that point he stole that little piece that Roy had, took it to, and Roy holds a grudge. Uh, there's there's some claims that death threats were sent um, that that Roy uh, totally disputes. Uh, Roy is also in Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade, and you learn even more about how shitty he is there. I, again, Chasing Ghosts is like totally the postscript you need to, like that is required viewing after you're finished with this. It is also on okay. YouTube in terrible quality, but you can find it. Um, anyway, 
Roy Schilt had met Steve Wiebe you know, a while ago, saw that Steve had this chance to overthrow Billy and offered to help him out. Like Steve's in an arcade because his Donkey Kong board at home is broken. Schilt says, like, I'll buy you one. I'll buy you one because I know you're going to beat this guy. And and here you go. Here it is for free. Um, so even though they can't find anything wrong with the board or the cabinet or anything at Steve's house, uh, Twin Galaxies, Robert Murchek specifically is saying, like, he he's not having it. If Roy Schultz's name is in it, there's a conspiracy, no doubt. And we have to throw that score out. Record is nullified. We are back to Billy Mitchell's 874,300 points. Bullshit, uh, Chase. He's he's the top spot. Hey, hey I, I don't I don't I don't make the rules, but Twin Galaxies bends. It up. sounds like they just make whatever rules they want. To me, that's weird. It's weird. It's weird how they do that. But Billy, you know, he he does give a little bit of justification. He says that you know, if you are a real man, actually, I'll just read his quote. Like, why why should I summarize it? I can just tell you what his quote is. <clears throat> classic. Yeah, we don't, we don't for, paraphrase here at the classic hour. foreshadowing line here. To me, most importantly, is you travel to a sanctioned location, like Fun Spot. That makes it official. It's, it's, it's all right, there you go. He, and he's also, you know, giving this line in the kitchen of a restaurant where he's clearly in the way of other workers. It's beautiful because this dude sucks so much. Um, but whatever, Steve Wiebe now has the parameters laid out to him. Like, you, can't, you can't send in a tape with your, with your shitting kid in it. Like, you need, you need to play on you need to play at Yankee goddamn stadium son if you want to if you want to really break this record for real all right so now we have to go uh across the country he's he lives in Redmond Washington he has to go all the way to New Hampshire where fun spot is fun spot the mecca of arcade gaming where the best of the best dumpy nerds come to play and and Steve Wiebe he lays out a friendly little challenge for Billy Mitchell to join him in a head-to-head contest. Like, all right, yeah, I, I feel like I'm the best Donkey Kong player. You think you're the best Donkey Kong player. In 1982, you went heads up with Steve Sanders. Let's do the same thing right now. Challenge laid down. Challenge Boom. not not accepted. <laughs> uh, Steve, Steve Wiebe's, you know, he's here at Fun Stop. He's playing a little Donkey Kong. People start to notice him. Brian Koo wants to see, like, I, I need to know who this Steve Weeb guy is. He doesn't know anything about him other than what his garage looks like because he was just there a few weeks ago checking out the dude's garage. Can't say his name right, but definitely he definitely right. knows some stuff about him. Uh, and Brian Koo, this is our chance to talk about Brian Koo here. He is the Ugh. proclaimed prodigy at Donkey Kong, and he believes that he is Billy Mitchell's apprentice. He He's calling up Billy to let him know that Steve's here, uh, telling him any time that Steve like beats a level or what his score is or how many men he has left, he's he's giving him every update. Uh, Bobby, you you seem to have some pretty strong thoughts on Brian Koo, so I'm going to let you tell me anything you want to say about Brian Koo. I mean, first of all, he's not 30 years old. Let's just get that out there again. <laughs> <laughs> he's not 30 at all. You think he's higher or lower? Oh my God, he's higher. Okay, he, I'm just, he, just he looks just like. Asking. Oh my God, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna belittle him by his physical appearance, but his actions speak volumes. He's got, he's got some Jared from Subway vibes to him. If, if, <laughs> he, he's like the uh-huh. lo, the love child of Jared from Subway and Napoleon uh-huh. Dynamite. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's and, fair. And we're talking we're talking about appearance. Like yeah, he's shitty. Appearance. He's not Jared Fogel shitty, but he's no. shitty. Maybe, maybe don't put he, uh, the words Jared from Subway and love and child in the same sentence. <laughs> oh shit. I forgot. I <laughs> I forgot I seriously forgot all about that. Oh my yeah, God. man. Yeah. Dude's oh, bad. Shit. Yeah. Man. His five his five dollar foot lungs in jail. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's out at this point. I don't I, No, no he, he's not. He's still there. I hope not. Um anyway. The thing about him is, is he comes across as your buddy, and on a lot of ways, like Steve Sanders does. He's a snake in the grass. He is a snake yeah. in the grass because he's he's Worm Tongue from Lord of the Rings. But he also is Just whispering in the dude's ear. He Sorry. he's already like convinced himself of a few things. One, Billy Mitchell is God. Two, Steve Weeby is trash and will never mm-hmm. be anywhere near it. And what the best thing about this documentary, in my opinion is watching that sequence of him eating crow the entire yes. fucking time. Uh, he he gets his whole world shattered in the most amazing way possible. And that I, that is what makes the line we got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up so good. Yeah. Like okay, let's let's get into this. Um Billy Mitchell can't be there. He can't be at Fun Spot because he's a little busy doing some philanthropy. He Being uh, a he brings bitch. A, he bring do what? He's being a bitch. That's why he's not there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but he's got a he's got a quote unquote good reason, uh, and that's because he's bringing this ninety year old woman, Doris Self. He's bringing her a Cubert cabinet so she can uh, reclaim a world record on Cubert um, at, at Fun Spot. Like Fun Spot is having, like, hey, we're all coming here for this tournament. Like every, I guess, like, hey, we're all going to try to break some records this weekend or whatever. So Billy, Billy has her plan. He's like, here, I brought you a Cuber cabinet so you can practice. Uh, I'm going to get you your plane ticket so you can go. And hey, by the way, just so you know, like, go, good luck. Good luck out there. Have fun. Win. But also, make sure you deliver this envelope to, uh, to somebody over there. You can lose Give your them. life, but don't lose Give this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... Mm, I don't think he tells her she can lose her life. She definitely tells Brian Koo he can lose his life. I think it's yeah. you can lose the game, but you can't lose. The, you can lose your luggage. That's it. You can lose yeah. your luggage. You can't lose the tape. Uh, yeah. Take this. Take this directly to Walter Day. He'll know what it's about. Hey, but good luck out there. Great. Awesome. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. So he can't be there. He 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 can't make it to Fun Spot. He's too busy. Being a good dude or being a hot sauce mogul or whatever the fuck. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Meanwhile, though, Steve Wiebe is is working his ass off on this Donkey Kong machine at Fun Spot. This this haunted Donkey Kong machine. Everyone thinks it's a little bit harder than most of the other ones. And Brian Koo uh, is telling us all about how hard this machine is, you know, and how hard Donkey Kong is in general. You know, you know. When he thinks back, who who's gotten to a Donkey Kong kill screen? You know, Billy Mitchell, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, nobody else. Nobody else has done it. He's number two on the leaderboard, and he hasn't even done it. Like well, his I mean, score is like five hundred thousand. Fireball maybe. gets you, and sometimes you get the fireball. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, like nobody nobody's done this. It's but he's gonna do it. If anybody was gonna do it, it's probably Brian. Oh, Kill, totally. Right? Because he's yeah. a Donkey Kong expert. Because he's a prodigy. Because he's Billy Mitchell's apprentice. Like he's obviously gonna do it. Um, oh, this Steve, this Steve Weeb guy has a has a pretty high score, huh? Uh, he might, he, 
He might he might make it to that kill screen, guys. Let me uh let me do whatever I can to distract him. Exactly. Let's and... let's put as much pressure as possible and tell everyone in the arcade and nobody in the arcade gives a fuck. Man, it's it's so good, but he is just like tapping everybody on the shoulder. Dude playing pinball, dude playing pole position, whatever. Hey, 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 um, hey, we got a Donkey Kong kill screen possibly coming up. Potential Donkey Kong kill screen over here if you guys want to check it out. Hey, gotta, uh, you know, if you guys want to check it out, it's just, uh, you know, my be a thing. No pressure, but if there's a potential Donkey Kong kill screen coming up, if you want to see it. <laughs> yeah. So we do see a, a number of people gather around Steve Weeby as he is playing this game. And he does it. He, he breaks the record. He gets a kill screen. They talk to Brian afterward. He is shattered. <laughs> He's like, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to be the second one to get the kill screen, but I uh, guess, guess not. Guess not. <laughs> Hit the bricks, Billy, kid. <laughs> fuck, Billy! Fuck that dude. <laughs> Billy, you did it. He went oh, around the wrong God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the best part so about much. that, the best part is watching him yeah. make those phone calls because he's like in a fucking like yeah. foyer and he's like looking over he's his shoulder. On a pay phone. He's calling on a payphone. You might as well have like a, a tan detective coat with the collar pulled up over his head. Yeah. He's like peering around him, like, okay, Billy. It's two thousand. It's two thousand fucking six. He doesn't. He's, dude doesn't have a cell phone. He's got one guy, and he's coming up on a potential Donkey Kong kill screen. <laughs> like he's so secretive about it. Like, come the fuck it's on. Great. Yeah, he, he even like somebody gets kind of close and even even like looks him down and oh, he's yeah. quiet because he doesn't need anybody to know. And and I think after I think it's after um he gets after Steve gets the record that he's even in like a parking lot outside a fun spot and he borrows somebody else's phone to to call Billy and, and let him know and and the conversation that the guy has with him is like, yeah, man, sounds like an important call you got to make. I, I get it. I get it. Billy's not going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's great. Brian Koo. Yeah, Brian Koo is probably the worst person. In this More movie. like I, Brian Poo. Oh, uh, you got him. Got him. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. Steve Wiebe, new record, 985,600 points. This is official. He did it in public. What can you do? What can you say? Billy Mitchell's not even here. Like, this is this is Steve Weeby's record, but he sent in that tape and that the envelope. And that envelope's a tape. That envelope went straight to not Walter Day. It went to Brian Koo, then got it to Walter Day. It's fine. Um, that night, this this inner circle invite only. The disciples uh, of Mitchell. It's beautiful. Oh, um, can I can I see the tape just to? No, 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 Johnny. You you can't see the tape. Um, definitely not Steve Weeby. He can't see the tape. It was a one time affair a, only. Totally, we're gonna have a little watch party that you're not invited to, and we're gonna watch the tape. So but we're gonna have Domino's Pizza there. So I fuck thank you. you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up because my in my notes here I say there's Domino's pizza everywhere so you know nobody here has any taste. Oh, <laughs> oh got him! Sick burn, Brian Poo. Sick uh, burn. They're, they're all in Brian's cabin. They're watching this, uh, and then after they watch that it, they show it to the crowd the next day. They they still to the crowd, but not to Steve Weeby. We Steve Weeby is too busy. He's still playing Donkey Kong. He's he's got the record, but fuck it, dude still needs to play some Donkey Kong. But we're gonna show to this this bigger audience but still limited audience uh this billy mitchell tape because this billy mitchell tape has an incredible donkey kong game on it as who would have thought 
Billy Mitchell's score is 1,047,200 points. Billy, there's, there's everybody watching this right now. They're so it's ama- it. it's incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible. Everyone's in awe of your greatness. Thank you, Brian <laughs> Koo, for that wonderful reporting. Um, and it, what's interesting is when he gives the tape to Doris right before he sends her off for for Cubert. We don't actually hear how she does it with Cubert, um, but <laughs> he he like looks at the camera and I think he realizes that previously he said something about like having to go to play at Fun Spot or it doesn't really count. And he even says, like, oh, you know, it's just for fun. You know, whatever. Just uh-huh. a, little, a little summer for fun. Um, but now that he knows that Steve Wiebe has broken his record, um, <laughs> this, this is no longer for fun. Like, this is no, an official this is, score. This yeah. is official tape. I, I want it verified, and I want this to go on the Twin Galaxies website. And there's a guy who uh, I, I think he's named. I think he's named in this movie. Um but he's he's a very minor person. Like he he's not really part of the inner circle. It seems he's just like a fan. But he also plays whatever. Um, but he's saying like you know with seeing seeing that tape, it's probably gonna you know the, the verification process. It's probably gonna take a week or so before they really know anything. Uh, before anything can really be determined. I know Robert Merchek has to go through it with a fine tooth comb. Everyone knows. And uh, <laughs> then they flash up. 10 minutes later and we have walter day on the phone with billy mitchell going you know like hey i uh i think we can probably probably accept the score it's probably fine and then billy's like cool put it on the website so he does billy mitchell 2005 1 million 47,200 points and he's you know what he's the donkey kong king again weird weird so that's it. That's it. Like, if movie's over. Uh, Steve Wiebe loses. He goes. He goes home. He's accomplished this feat twice, but once got nullified. Once was around for like five seconds, and you know he's he just goes home a loser again. Unfortunately, happens to um, the best of us. Yeah, the movie does pick back up. Little little epilogue action here. It's not really nine an epilogue. There's there's like yeah. there's like half an hour left in this movie. Uh, but we check back in nine months later. Billy's the champ. Steve Weeby's pretty much out of the game. Uh, Walter Day is in his Twin Galaxies Twilight. He just wants to write one more one more book uh, before he he calls it quits. Uh, but then Twin Galaxies is tapped to be the official video game arm of the Guinness Book of World Records. And the deadline submit scores for this newest edition of the book, the 2007 edition of the book. It's, it's fast approaching. They, they, this is the cutoff. And Steve Wiebe, when he hears this, he's like, all right, thought I was out. They pulled me back in. Here we go again. We're going we're gonna to saddle up or we're going to try this one more time. Steve Wiebe now is driving out to Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, Florida, that's familiar, right? It just so happens to be it. hometown of, of Billy Mitchell. Weird. Uh, it's also the, the Guinness Tournament site where they're, they have a bunch of arcade games in this small room, uh, and anybody who wants to go for this, these records can play these games. These games are verified games, so anybody who sets a high score here is going to be in the book. That's that's just how it is. We got we got like four days of intense classic arcade gaming, and to the best man or woman, because Doris Doris is totally there working on her Cubert. 
Uh, like, good luck. Good luck to all the players. Well, everyone that is, except for Billy. He he drops Steve Sanders off. Um, but you know he's he's got stuff to do for sure. He can't he can't be bothered to to actually be there. Why why would he? What's why he, what's he, he got to play for? He's he's the champ. He doesn't need he doesn't need to play obviously. Uh, but he drops off Steve Sanders. Steve is the new Brian Koo. I guess Brian Koo couldn't be bothered to make it uh, for this event, or or maybe he's just crying in the corner because he's wasn't ever able to get that kill screen. Please, is uh, Brian Poo. <laughs> So now Steve Sanders is scouting Steve Wiebe and reporting back to, to Billy Mitchell. And this is where the Steve Sanders redemption arc begins. Steve is sitting wi- sitting right next to, to... Steve is sitting next to Steve, honestly. Uh, and is, is talking to him about Donkey Kong, talking to him about Twin Galaxies, all this stuff. And, and then he, he asks the question, is it Weeb or Weeby? And Steve Weeby says, you know, it's Weeby. I get it, though. You know, a lot of, a lot of people think it's Weeb at, at Twin Galaxies and, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't correct him. And Steve Sanders is never, never forgets it. Like, from then on, you know, we don't have a lot of movie left, but from then on, he's Steve Weeby. He knows it. He's not going to make that mistake. It's he, beautiful. He meets his wife. He meets his kids. He meets his wife, meets his kids. It's all great. He thinks he's a real stand-up dude. Uh, it's a real tide-turning moment of the of the documentary. Like him getting his name said correctly is literally a climax point in this movie because like things start going Steve Weeby's way, even when they don't go Steve Weeby's way, they're going Steve Weeby's way. Uh, Walter Day is finally standing up for himself. He's calling Billy on the phone, saying like, "You need to be down here." Yeah, I, where are you? Bill, Billy says he's got like 15 million reasons why he can't be there. And, and Walter's like, I have 15 million reasons why you should be down here. You got to get your ass down here. What the fuck? <laughs> he's not taking no for an answer. And, and even Steve Sanders is having trouble vouching for Billy Mitchell anymore. Like there's an interview, there, a talking head where he's like in a parking lot or in like the back alley where he's he's talking about like oh you know Billy's just so busy and Billy fucking Billy drives, drives by. right by him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like it's and Steve like goes and chases after him. Like oh shit, uh, the game the game's up. <laughs> like uh-oh. uh oh, <laughs> it, it's great. Um, but then it happens. I guess Steve Weeby is still playing Donkey Kong in the in the Guinness Record Room. Uh, in walks Billy with his wife. We've we've seen Billy's wife once or twice. Uh, we've also seen his kid really early in the movie. Uh, we don't. We barely see him. We don't really care anything about them because he's the bad guy. We shouldn't know anything about them. But we see his his wife uh, with her enhanced features, let's say, um, and and he like takes her around the takes her around, shows her some people, um, gives like a glance at, at Steve Weeby and makes a shitty comment about like yeah there's some people you don't need to meet or something like that like I, I, we don't want to stick stick around too much spend too much time around certain people yeah there you go uh, and, and then they they get out of there it's uh it's such a it's such a shitty line and i love it uh, <laughs> he's such a shithead man it's it's great um walter day you know he sees how hard steve weeby's working at this and he gives this really great line as uh, as Steve Weeby continues to to work at breaking the record on the final day of the tournament, and he says, you know, you know, Steve Weeb, because he hasn't gotten it right yet, he still doesn't know. Uh, Steve Weeb, I think he's a very straight shooter. 
I think that he gets influenced sometimes by people, and that's probably one of his lessons, you know, to be stronger in himself. And it's incredible how, like, that applies to Walter Day way better than it applies yeah. <laughs> to Steve so, Weeby. Some in of your fact, own medicine there, bud. Steve Sanders, at the beginning of this film, basically said the same thing about Walter Day. It's, it's incredible. I, uh, I love it. Like, for somebody to have... So for somebody not to see how how obvious his statement is is being applied right it's so good uh it's so good anyway it's the end of day four steve weeby like he usually does has come up short closest he got was 840k it's not gonna do it not good but, enough but you know he's got his family he went to the pool one day he swam in the ocean uh you know, he's he's that very straight shooter, as, as Walter Day says. Uh, and, you know, even even Walter wants to give special recognition at the end, brings him up in front of everyone. There's not a lot of people here, but he bring, brings him up in front of the small crowd that is there and <laughs> is corrected by Steve Sanders. Steve Sanders is in the audience. And when Walter Day says, Steve Weeb, Sanders is like, it's Weeby. It's Weeby, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and Walter Day corrects himself and goes like, "Oh wow, it's it's Weeby. I I didn't I didn't know that. <laughs> it's amazing. God, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, he makes a nice little speech. He says he he trusts uh, Steve Weeby's character, and you know he'd happy he'd be happy to accept tape submissions from him in the future. We know that we're, we're still going to accept that one. Fuck that. Like that's that we can't we can't take for sure." Uh, but you know, if you have any other submissions in the future, you know that that'd be fine because I think you're a stand-up dude. <sighs> All right, again, movie like movie ends now. Like we're we're really done, or are we? <laughs> because now Steve Weeby's back at it in his in his garage, just playing a little bit of Donkey Kong, you know, just for funsies, and he does it. August third, two thousand and six. Where were you? One million forty-nine thousand one hundred points. A new Donkey Kong record by Steve Weeb Weeby. Beautiful. It's it's great. It's that that is how the film Redemption. ends. We go to credits. Uh, you know, it is kind of buried in the credits, like I said, but they they do that movie trope. I I can't think of the movie that did it where it's like you see a character. And then they like freeze frame on it in the credits and they're like every Ugh. movie from the 80s basically basically like i thought it was breakfast club and it's not animal breakfast house club. did it animal house did it. thank you that's that's probably the one i was thinking of um but they do that like here's a person freeze here's what they're up to now let me just read these for you um robert Murchek resigned as head referee of twin galaxies shortly after the fun spot tournament fun spot tournament that's halfway through the movie that's when billy mitchell Damn. submitted his fake ass tape that they accepted. And now I'm thinking, like, holy shit, that dude's a stand-up guy. Like, he, he quit because, because he saw some, some wrongs being made. Like, that's good for him. Good for him. I feel slightly better about him and his big erotic art collection. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, guys, mm, you got to watch Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. <laughs> it's that good, you huh? See some, you see some of the pieces, and they are... Mwah, just <laughs> just some good quality art. Um, Walter Day is working on his first album and his new book. Um, I, I looked all over for this album and could not find it. 
Uh, he's got a couple of songs that are out there that are like in bits and pieces form. There's a song that he kind of sings in King of Kong, and that's out there that you can listen to, but it's like it's done outside in the cold on an acoustic guitar where his fingers are freezing and he's he sounds terrible. I'm sure the rest of his album is also not good. Oh, it's <laughs> um, gotta be great. It's amazing. Um, Steve Wiebe's smoking sharp tongue friend Mike Thompson, who we have not talked about this entire time, but who has some really cutting lines in the movie. Um, he he he's offered a ten thousand dollar bounty for the first million point Donkey Kong game in a live venue. And I looked online, can't find anything out about if that ever happened, if that bounty was honored, if it has happened. No idea. Uh, <laughs> Brian Koo, still in pursuit of his first Donkey Kong kill screen. Fuck you, Brian Koo. <laughs> Brian Poo. Uh, I have no idea uh, if Brian Koo ever got to that Donkey Kong kill screen, but as of 2007, nope. Uh, Doris Self continues to jet set around the world to reclaim her Qbert record, except she died in 2006, so that... Yeah. Uh, I, think she, I think she did Didn't get the it. record back at some point. And then I, it's been taken. It's been taken back. All, all these records, every record we have talked about in this movie has been totally annihilated by people after this movie came out. Like it is, you you put you put a micro you put a, a magnifying glass on all these records, and now you got people coming out of the woodwork going like, oh yeah, I can be Donkey Kong. So like all these records get washed away, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Donkey Kong record more in a, in a second here. Uh, Steve Sanders currently pursuing the joust record and is building his own legal practice. But, you know, we know Lonnie McDonald uh, took care of that one for the uh, for the joust. So don't worry about that, Steve. Uh, Roy Schilt is still fighting for his missile missile command score to be recognized. And we know that doesn't matter either. Uh, And then finally, Derek Wiebe, Steve Wiebe's son, uh, his current Donkey Kong high score is seventy eight thousand six hundred points. And that. That is the official end of the movie. But let's talk about the film in general here. King of Kong, like we said, it's not the first video game documentary. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I know that G4, uh, the you know television for gamers, right? Uh, they they ran a number of like short history mini doc kind of things. They had a show mm-hmm. called Icons that had a lot of that kind of stuff in it yeah, that ran from 2002 to 2007. Like that that was definitely before King of Kong came out. Um, but really, it is it is probably the biggest one. It's the one that really popularized the idea of video game documentaries, um, and and I, I think it's it's really a must watch. Like like I said, this one has an authored story in the way that um, the way that a lot of these other movies kind of don't feel like they do. Like Indie Game the Movie, No Clip, Outer Lands, The Double Fine right. Docs, they all just kind of lay out what happens. I, I'd say Indie Game the Movie is probably the closest to to King of Kong in terms of yeah. tone, in terms of heroes and that kind of stuff. But whenever you watch a Noclip documentary, and I'm not shitting on Noclip. I love Noclip. I'm a patron of Noclip. Um, but it's kind of just, here's what happened. We got the idea for the game this way. You know, we had some struggles over development, but then we made it. And that's kind of all of them. And and it's fine. You, you learn little quirks about things that happened, and, and they're fun, definitely. But they... They are not good versus evil in the way that right. <laughs> the way that King of Kong is. Totally. Um, it's so like I mentioned, there's another documentary that came out around uh, came out the same year, around the same time as King of Kong. It's called Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. 
features a number of classic game players uh, from that same Life magazine shoot. It is also like centered around that Life magazine shoot. And at the end of the movie, they do a reunion. It was like a, in 2005, they did a reunion in that same spot, that same main street of Atuma, Iowa. Uh, they they set up machines. They brought back a bunch of those people. They brought back. Uh, they they didn't bring back. There were different cheerleaders. Uh, different cheerleaders who are are standing in front of those machines with them. Uh, but it's it's great. You'll get a little bit more backstory of Billy Mitchell, of Steve Sanders, of Walter Day, of Robert Murchek, uh, of Roy Schilt. Few others you would have seen in King and Kong. A, a guy that I didn't even mention in this talk, but he is uh, kind of a shitbag as well. Also, he he had a record in a drag racing arcade game. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it it was when when Twin Galaxies uh, implemented their um, like they they allowed for a system where people can challenge records, and the first one that got challenged was not. Weirdly enough, the Billy Mitchell score, but it was this other guy. His name's Todd Rogers, and his score for this racing game that is that was proved to be impossible by the game standards. Uh. Like the game would not let you go that fast, and would not let you get that time. So obviously he lied, and he's been kicked out. But you get to see his spider collection. So you know, you should watch Chasing Ghosts on cool. arcade. It's great. It's so it's so so good. Got to see that erotic art. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about the aftermath here. So that movie came out in 2007. Uh, in 2010, Walter Day retired from Twin Galaxies. Uh, Twin Galaxies has gone through a number of new owners. Uh, it was purchased and is now owned by Jace Hall, who is a co-founder of Monolith Productions. Monolith, Monolith, you might know as the the makers of the Fear series. Uh, also, Shatters, Shadows of Mordor and Shadows of yeah. War. That the Shadows of War is the second one, right? Yes, um, Shadow of War. And then uh, he's also the the former CEO of the esports organization Echo Fox, that we know from uh, that we know from um, uh, Sonic Fox playing at Evo and things like that. Um, regardless of any of that, um, also in 2010, Billy Mitchell, like we like we said, he claimed. To, actually, sorry, this is a different thing. Billy Mitchell claimed to have uh, a new Donkey Kong World record. He showed footage of this of this game, claim, and also the Donkey Kong Junior record too. But again, nobody cares. Um, he claimed that this new footage was direct feed from the machine uh, that he that he got at a place called Boomers. Love it, love it. Um, but people quickly observed that this footage of this new record that he sent in was definitely not real arcade footage because it loaded in a way that um, original hardware wouldn't have loaded it. It loaded in a way that an emulator would, would load it. It's total uh, horse shit. Yeah. So, what a piece uh, of shit. Those scores are disputed. Uh, not only are they disputed, they, uh, he's, he's now gotten all of his scores stripped and, and taken away. Uh, even his perfect Pac-Man score, which was done in front of an audience, which you know, back in night—I don't know if it was done in 1982. It was—it was back when he was younger. Um, like that one, totally didn't cheat at. But you know, because he is a cheater in general, fuck it, let's get them all out. So he's just been completely stripped of all the scores. As Johnny mentioned, he is uh, suing Twin Galaxies, suing Guinness, suing whoever he can sue to uh, to try to get those records reinstated. But it seems like all the evidence is saying, nah, nah, 
that's bullshit. Also, the tape that he sent in uh, that had his... Uh, it, the, the tape he sent in in King of Kong also has come into question because it had some jumps in right. the scores. Like, there was some some fuzz that happened, and, and then the score magically went up a little higher. Walter Day, like, very briefly is like, hey, what's up with those... What's up with the jump and score there? Uh, but then still puts it on the site anyway. Um, so uh, that that video was also put under protest and at that point yeah he just he just got buried with all that um but it doesn't really matter because uh, a plastic surgeon named hank chen who you may have heard of he has gone on to become the post documentary king of kong uh his his quest for the record is shown in a short documentary called dr kong it's a 17 minute thing you can find it on vimeo it's not bad it's fine like it's it's kind of just him, but it's fine. Um, Hank would go on to beat Billy Mitchell and Steve Wiebe and eight other people. Brian Koo is probably in there, so fuck you, Brian Koo. Glad you lost, mm. probably. <laughs> um, uh, but in a live competition that is called a Kong-Off. Apparently Ooh. there's a yearly Kong-Off these days. Maybe not these days, but at least you know for right. some years they were doing a Kong-Off. Uh, but his best score, Hank Chen's best score, rather, was 1,138,600 points that he got in November of 2012. So he was the King of Kong there for a bit. But since 2014, the Donkey Kong record has been broken at least once a year, uh, going back and forth between two men. One is named Robbie Lakeman, uh, or three men, sorry. Robbie Lakeman, Wes Copeland, and John McCurdy. Lakeman, who was a a former competitive poker player, uh, and also a record hold, holder for the games Super Pac-Man and Stratavox. I don't think I've heard of Stratavox. Mm-mm. No idea. Uh, he currently owns the Donkey Kong World Record as of June of this year. Like, this just happened, <laughs> more Man. or less. Uh, he has the record now with 1,260,700 points. So, the new interesting... <laughs> Interesting, still nobody's beaten Steve Sanders' 3 million point record that he had in 1982. I, you know, I don't know. These guys are huh. scrubs. <laughs> um, so like we mentioned, April 12th, Billy Mitchell. April 12th of 2018, Billy Mitchell had all of his scores stripped from Guinness and Twin Galaxies for all those tapes. Uh, Perfect Pac-Man was also taken away. All, all that stuff. He's gone. Um it is it is interesting though because Twin Galaxies actually does accept scores done on emulators. It would be fine if Billy Mitchell wanted to send in a tape of an emulated game of Donkey Kong where he got a high score. That'd be totally fine. The the problem is he he submitted it as an arcade Donkey Kong uh, score like and that won't fly and that got him kicked out. Anyway, it's like guys, there's so much more that we could talk about. We we have to cut it off somewhere, but like I, I desperately want to tell you that Steve Weeby released a contemporary Christian album called The King of Song. He did. Uh, I can't really? find it anywhere. I cannot find it anywhere. Amazon said Amazon's the only place that I could even see the the uh, cover, and it says that it's it's unavailable to to purchase. Um, it's. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's all just piano music stuff. Uh, I found some reviews that said, like, oh, this is surprisingly pretty good for a guy who plays Donkey Kong. (laughs) (laughs) They're not wrong. Uh, He's on Spotify. uh, You found him on Spotify? Cool, because I could not find him on iTunes. Please, definitely, 
we got to find a way to to grab that maybe maybe put that in here if we can uh if we can't no big deal um other stuff uh we mentioned that he had a cameo in the movie horrible bosses because it was directed by seth gordon he also had a a cameo in pixels the no. adam sandler yeah. adam sandler classic that uh seth yeah. gordon was a um seth gordon was a director uh, no not a director an executive producer a producer yeah. yeah executive producer of that uh can't you can't blame seth gordon for that one not not completely um billy mitchell i i we mentioned about the regular show thing he uh he got parodied on regular show as a disembodied head who's a universal yeah. video game champion named garrett bobby ferguson uh, <laughs> it's so good um he attempted to sue for his likeness rights but the case was thrown out because uh <laughs> the judge said like no like this character is too cartoonishly evil even for you <laughs> oh it's so God. good um i think that's a season two episode uh he also comes back in a season four episode because garrett bobby ferguson jr tries to blow up the park and resurrect his father or actually i think that one comes in much later maybe. that's a different episode yeah that's season season eight season four is is one where there's a colony of of ear people that are like people that are just ears and uh mordecai and rigby make too much noise and go to court <laughs> and one of the people they bring to court for a character witness is garrett bobby ferguson who's he's like yeah they were pretty loud when they made my head explode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's very good. It's very, very good. Uh, I watched all those episodes of very good show last night too. Um, uh, also there's a, a parody stage play called King of Kong, the musical. There are only two parts, parts one and five that I can find on YouTube. They are low quality. This is just like some like upright citizens brigade style group, sure. uh, that have, have just made it, but you absolutely should seek out at least the first part. I mean, the fifth part's fine too. The first part is Steve Wiebe and his son, both portrayed by women. <laughs> and the son is like asking for his dad to tell him a bedtime story uh, that is the story of why he plays Donkey Kong. Oh and he God. basically just talks about how he was a failure in life through song. And it's incredible. It's so good. And then part five is the same two women, uh, but now one is playing uh, Billy Mitchell and the other one is playing his wife in a tiger striped dress. <laughs> and it's a they they perform a song called "Lick My Sauce." It's good stuff. Oh. It's really good oh, stuff. You God. should find those on YouTube. They're they're bad, but in a great kind of way. Um, and, and then the last thing I'll mention: Steve Wiebe is actually making a comeback. This is this is current ass news. Um, like with uh, with the news I was that make sure that you brought this up totally with the yeah. news that Billy Mitchell's scores got stripped uh, with all the commotion that's going around about classic scores again. Steve Wiebe has decided that now, after a decade, it's time to come out of retirement and try his hand at Donkey Kong once again. <laughs> My so God. he's going to play some competitive Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior. Doesn't know if he's going to make it. Just kind of playing for fun and seeing where where he can get. But he's 51 years old right now. Who knows? Who knows? We could have a yeah. new King of Kong by the end of the year. There's a there's a post on Twin Twin Galaxies from uh, uh -huh. late last month, and he reached uh, one million one hundred six thousand. He's getting there. He's getting there. So, it's possible. He's on Twitch. He streams his games on Twitch now. Yes. So you can watch Steve Wiebe 
Play does, does he actually stream his attempts or does he just stream practices? I think at one point he said he was uh, just doing practices. He has. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah, still, you can watch him on Twitch. I'm going to get on Twitch and just say potential Donkey Kong kill screen over and yes, over and over in you, chat. You absolutely should. I bet there's my a name will be Brian for Poo. Brian Koo's face. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I totally support that. Uh, guys, I think that is all I can say about King of Kong. Any any closing thoughts from the two of you on this movie, on these developments that have happened since the movie, a- anything else that you guys want to talk about? Brian Koo is not 30 years old at the time of this movie being made. <laughs> He's definitely not 30 years old now. No. <laughs> uh, no, Chase. Like Benjamin Button. I appreciate all the, the effort that you put into it. This is such a great movie. It was awesome to revisit it. Um, it still holds up. It's still, you still find yourself feeling gutted and you still feel yourself feeling optimistic at times with it. It is, uh, it's great. It's got all the things that you come to love in modern cinema. It's a, it's a good watch. It is, it is just fun. It's an easy movie to watch. It's easy to root for people, easy to, to hate people. Uh, it, it does feel like a parody of itself quite often. And I think a lot of that is done purposefully by the, by the filmmakers themselves to to try to show people in in maybe the worst light possible or, or an exaggerated light for sure um but it makes for a better makes for a better movie it's it's just it's so much fun to watch um it, yeah I, I i hope uh maybe this is like a sub brand of casual hours deep dives but a casual hour at the movies where maybe yeah. every once in a while we we look at a at a film about games or if we're really brave a video game film <laughs> who, boy. who wants to watch who wants uh, to watch doom uh no i got another one in mind i'll, I'll talk about <laughs> all right bobby i never know how to end this thing so yeah. i'm gonna kick it back over to you to uh do the outro stuff totally thanks chase and again appreciate all the work you put in on this uh, sure. this was this was a deep dive episode there uh one of the newer segments that we do on the show and we have a ton of fun with them. Uh, if you are interested in maybe more of our more recent takes on what's happening with video games, come back and listen to us talk through uh, what you've been playing or one of our monthly previews where we discuss games that are coming out and games that have been out recently that we enjoyed. Uh, if you are curious about where you can maybe find some of our other stuff, if you've stumbled upon this for some reason, uh, we're hosted on every major platform out there, uh, but we are powered by Anchor. So you can go anchor.fm and you can find us. You can leave us your thoughts on the King of Kong. Was Brian Poo 30 is what I want to know. <laughs> so if you could email us also, it would be the casual that hour. Hashtag at- was Brian Poo 30. <laughs> zero, zero dark 30. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, Yikes. But we are. We're from Subway 30. Uh, oh, no. Um. Yeah, the casual hour at Gmail or at the casual hour, or you can just leave us a voicemail on Anchor. Uh, Chase, we jokingly talked a little bit about your obsession with just like hardware at the beginning of the episode, but you do talk mm-hmm. about games that you take with you primarily on Gamers in the Go, your your main podcast. What's up with that? I wouldn't call it my main podcast. I do this podcast with you guys probably more, definitely more often. Than I like to be known as your side piece, Chase. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Gamers on the Go, yeah, it's a podcast I've been doing for a while about handheld video games specifically. 
and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I do them every once in a while. Both of you guys have been on uh, some different times. Uh, I haven't had a new episode for a bit, but maybe I'll change that now that this deep dive is done and I can turn attention to, to something else. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll all just be cross-code and decide to do an episode on that. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Fun. I'd love to. I played like half an hour yeah. cross-code. I played it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you I, like I it, barely, I barely put in any time to, into it. I, I just like got out of the tutorial. That is my okay. thing. Like I, I beat that boss that is basically yeah. just a tutorial thing, and I'm about to like go into the world. So I'll have more thoughts on that game uh, when we do a regular show next week. Not regular show, but a, a, a normal show. Yeah. And we'll also nice. have potentially some impressions on uh, Mario, uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King. Yeah. Since, uh, it's since, be a- you know, some people have pre-ordered it here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. You yeah. didn't get that one, right, Chase? No. I'll, I'll, I'll wait Mario. a little bit. I did, I did decide to get Mario. Same. I'll wait on some more reviews on, on Ghosts. I'd, I'd like to see more of that game in action before I decide whether or not I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I saw Mario, I saw hot take. Mario is the best one since uh, thousand. That is that is such a low bar. Uh, well, that sure. is the lowest of bars. <laughs> uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out. Uh, Johnny, whenever we kick it over to you, Yo. we do usually ask you about uh, what you've been doing with your son. What games have you been playing with your son, Jude? Uh, you've been playing Pokemon been, cards. We've been picking uh, Pokemon trading card game back up. Hell yeah! Uh, he. He got a little frustrated with me Good. Uh, when I was using my uh, Rasharam Charizard deck. Good. Uh, but he he likes to toy with me. He's like a cat. Uh. So uh, not this last game we played, but the one prior. He had me against the ropes. He had me dead or rights. He could have completely kicked my ass. And he made the mistake of, you know what? I'm going to need to use this move that does less damage because I don't want you to lose yet. Yeah. And then I made a camp comeback, and he lost, and he got kind of mad about I that. I bet so. Uh, so right now, I ordered him a bunch of cards for a steel deck that he requested. I like uh, that you got him a steel deck, so you can still murder him with your fire deck. I, I am not going to use my fire deck. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> asshole. Just use it. <laughs> Teach him some lessons. No, it's 2020. No. He needs to know what we're all dealing with. Like, kid, well, kid, me, you're the one who wanted a steel deck, and now I'm going to teach you why steel sucks. Let me show you. That, this is my COVID me, deck. Oh, that no. gave me an excuse to order. Uh, th- so they make these league battle decks. Yeah. Uh, and I, I got the Pikachu and Zekrom one. Nice. So uh, we'll each have two fun new decks to play around with. Cool, man. That'll be fun. Uh, well, keep us up to date on that. I, I hope that someday soon we can all get back together and play. Uh, but... Currently, we are doing our part in flattening the curve when nobody else seems to be doing that. And uh, <laughs> we will continue to wear our masks. Also, also still playing some ring fit, so I'm trying to flatten some other curves. hey It's not going well, but it's fine. Uh, Chase, thanks again for everything you did tonight. And, yeah, uh, Chase. We will be back next week to tell you all about some of those new hot July games. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.